This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. I drink it up. First, you gotta do the trunk shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. My safe word is keep going. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. I can't talk too long. I gotta poo. What's up? Oh, you know, just hanging out, watching movies. Hanging and banging like the Hulkster <laughs> in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Snapping necks and cashing checks. <laughs> Who was that again? Was that uh, Chris Jericho or something? Who said that? Uh, I'm sure a lot of people said that. Uh, yeah, but I remember most, you giving me a, a wrestling lesson last time I said that line. The most recent one I could think of was AJ Styles because he kept because okay. he kept doing the his his finishing move, the Styles Clash, <laughs> and it's like uh, so he gets something. He's going to do a pile driver, and then he hooks the guy's arms behind his legs. So like. They're both facing the, the same direction and his opponent's upside down. And then he falls forward and pancakes them face first to the mat. And dudes kept tucking their chins in so they would take it right on the crown of their head instead of like putting their head backwards so they'd take it on their chest. Mm. And he broke like four guys neck to it. <laughs> but it wasn't his fault. It was the dude taking it, took it wrong. And, and so he, he was a bad guy at the time. So he he made a catchphrase out of it. Any more movie tie-ins since the uh, Army of the Dead? What do you mean? Well, the Army of the Dead had that wrestling tie-in. With Batista or? Uh... Or they were promoting oh. Army of the Dead, right? Wasn't it like zombies in the <laughs> ring? That's right. I forgot about that. They did a, a zombie lumberjack match where they had zombies surrounding the ring. No, <laughs> they haven't done no other uh, anything. movie tie-ins since then. No, nothing that elaborate. Uh, I don't even know if they've had a, a movie sponsor or anything recently since then. Okay. Although I, I guess they're doing a lot of promos for F9 recently because mm. it's a universal picture and WWE is on uh, the USA Network, which but is the Rock's not in this universal. one, but John Cena is, so yeah. like, he was all over it. You know, that's right. <laughs> When's the last time Cena came back? Did he just come back for WrestleManias? He was back for WrestleMania last year in 2020. And uh, yeah, before that, I don't think he was around for a full year. So, mm. and he's, I don't know, he had a couple of years where he didn't even wrestle any matches. So, I mean, he's, He's mostly been out of it, but uh, I saw some uh, headlines saying that he's going to come back. He just doesn't know when. I see. Well, let's move on to the topic at hand. We are closing out our slate of films on cops uh, with Clint Eastwood's seminal 1990 film, The Rookie. Yes, which you introduced to me recently and... uh it is some kind of movie. <laughs> it's something. 
it's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was, there's not a dull moment. It was, uh, <laughs> is, it, is it a good movie? I don't know, but it's entertaining. You know, this could be in the uh, group of movies that we watched in our youth when we talk about those. Because I used to watch this all the time as a kid because I got it off of uh, Showtime. That's fun. Like the two times we had Showtime growing up. Of all the movies to let your kid watch (laughs) over and over again, it's this one. Yeah, I was probably about nine, (laughs) ten when I saw this. So perfect timing, just uh, you know, blooming into puberty Mm -hmm. right at the perfect time. So the rape scene was very erotic for me. (laughs) Can we call it a reverse rape scene or does that not (laughs) exist? It's just rape, okay? (laughs) All rape is equal, Brett. Reverse rape is not a thing. Stop (laughs) Stop trying to make it a thing. We'll talk about that later, I'm sure. <laughs> Listen, we can talk about the whole show as far as I'm, I'm concerned. It's a bit of a spoiler. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like growing up, we had, it's hard to even describe. So, lived in the country, grew up on a farm, and we were too far away from town to get like cable from town. So, we had an antenna that we would get certain select cable channels over the airwaves from a semi nearby town. So like we got a couple of channels like TBS and USA and TNT, but sometimes they didn't come in very well. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they did. And they didn't offer HBO, but they did have Showtime. And we got that. I think we had it like twice for maybe a half a year tops each time. Mm -hmm. We record a lot of movies like Surf Ninjas got that off of Showtime. <laughs> <laughs> the Rookie got it off of Showtime. And uh, yeah, because we didn't get uh, DirecTV until probably 99. Okay. 99, 2000. But uh, yeah, so this was, besides the few movies, you know, we would buy on VHS, you know, we just had a shit ton of stuff that we, we'd record off TV. Yeah. And uh, this was one of them. I used to watch it over and over. It was like, oh, this is Clint Eastwood. This is like, <laughs> this is a good action movie. <laughs> sure, everybody would agree with that still to this day, mm-hmm. that it's a good action movie. Well, people still kind of agree that it, you know, it's has some decent stunts, practical effects. Yeah, some of the stunts are fantastic. Like mm-hmm. some, like right at the beginning, they have a really impressive car stunt. That uh, I was like, wow, I wasn't expecting something like this in this movie. But yeah. uh, and the uh, the Mercedes driving out of the warehouse as it explodes is pretty sweet. Yeah, like the, the Charlie Sheen dummy is very noticeable and very <laughs> funny, but like they timed it perfectly. I mean, you don't have to call them names. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I mean, I mean you don't have to call charlie sheen names like you don't have to call him a dummy <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> i mean he's a human being he's a person he's got feelings you might hear this i know what you hear is him exhaling after every line he delivers <laughs> you ever notice that about charlie sheen's acting 
Why well, I, I couldn't tell if he knew that this was like a like it seemed like he couldn't figure out if this was a serious movie or a spoof because he acts the same way in this movie as he does in like all those spoof movies that he's done. Yeah. And it's like exactly the same. And I'm like, do you like, are you trying to act serious or like, is that just like the only way you know how to act? Yeah. Like in platoon, he's acting serious, but I guess it's believable for me. But in this, it's kind of a departure. It's just bad acting, <laughs> like bad dramatic acting. He's like too over the top, but it's it's entertaining. Like it, it yeah, it works for the movie. But like, yeah, it's not good acting. It kind of, I mean, it kind of fits his character, but yeah, it's more entertaining than it is good, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and it it definitely comes out in this film and in his comedies that he's always audibly exhaling when he delivers his lines. <sighs> like it always, every line trails off with it. It's like he's it's always out breathing breath. out. Yeah. Well, when did he get AIDS? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it was much later. I think so too. I think it was in the odds. Yeah. <laughs> He called it tiger blood, but uh, <laughs> it's more commonly known as AIDS. I thought it was monkey blood is what it was. I thought it was tiger blood. <laughs> no, I meant, you know, where oh. AIDS came from. Oh, the original AIDS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had some kind of derivation thereof, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we won't get into how it got from monkeys to humans, but there's speculation on how that originated. <laughs> It reminds me of Chappelle's bit about how hard it would be to fuck a monkey. <laughs> Break your dick off, throw that shit in the tall grass, never to be seen again. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, in a recent episode of my other podcast, Positively Wolfie, I, I had a little spoiler from the new Eric Andre movie, Bad Trip. And it's somewhere what you're talking about, only he was getting fucked by a gorilla. Mm. Sounds like a Sasha Baron Cohen movie that you haven't watched yet. <laughs> Which one was that? But I guess I, I guess I could say he hasn't made it yet either. Oh, but. I was gonna say, like, I feel like I've seen all his movies. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is this? I would love to see it. <laughs> like, was it was it before he got super woke? Because uh, I mean, that, that might work. I don't know. <laughs> The, the scene where Eric Andre gets fucked by a gorilla is fucking hilarious. I was laughing so hard at that scene. It's against his will, too, so it ties into the rookie also because it's a rape scene. <laughs> yeah. It's not funny. Stop, stop laughing at it. <laughs> All right, well, let's give a little background on this film, The Rookie from 1990. It was kind of overshadowed when it came out. It came out right around the same time as Home Alone. So, yeah, it didn't do gangbusters at the box office. And they're very similar in a lot of ways. <laughs> no, I could yeah. see I could see people, you know, getting dragged to Home Alone because they're kids. And, you know, The Rookie is more of a, a guy's movie. So, yeah, it made about $21 million or so. 
and a budget of 10. So it made just a tiny bit of money. Opened December 7th, 1990. And Home Alone came out on November 16th, 1990. So Home Alone was out for a couple of weeks. Everyone's seen Home Alone. And yeah. nobody's paying attention to Clint Eastwood and Charlie Sheen. I'm sure Clint was so heartbroken about it. Mm-hmm. It's directed by Clint Eastwood, starring Clint Eastwood as Nick Polovsky. Charlie Sheen as David Ackerman, Raul Julia as Strom, or Str- sorry, Strom. Yeah. Sonia Braga as Liesel. Growing up, I always thought he was just saying Lisa, but like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's the uh, Blu-ray, the 5.1 digital Dolby digital audio. It's just that much cleaner. I can Clean hear Liesel. Yeah. So I was like, what the fuck is Liesel? It's also funny that they got a couple Latinos to play Germans. Yeah, because Raul Julia is Puerto Rican and Braga is Brazilian. Yeah, this is like reverse. This is whiteface that they're doing (laughs) (laughs) in a time where like whites were playing, you know, every ethnicity under the sun, basically. Well, you had some kind of like European terrorists because those were in vogue back then still kind of splintering into the or spilling over into the 90s yeah they didn't uh al-qaeda didn't attack the the twin towers yet you know that was like 92 or something like that or 93 it might have been after clinton was in office but uh so so we couldn't we weren't quite to the to the arab terrorist yet so we had to have some more european terrorists yeah i mean there was a little in the 80s like i recall uh to live and die in LA has that cold open where a Muslim or Arab bomber, he has a bomb strapped to his chest. Mm-hmm. He's going to do, you know, do some work for Allah. <laughs> and that's just kind of a random one off in the opening. He yeah. ends up blowing himself up. But <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, it was mostly euros or Russians well, you would think that this would stop by now, but uh, in the new movie, the the hitman's wife's bodyguard, the main villain is a Greek kind of elitist who's played by um, Antonio Banderas. Hmm. What a Greek actor, Antonio Banderas. Yeah. <laughs> sure is. He's got a Spanish accent for some reason, but he's Greek. Well, him and Tom Hanks, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was so confused. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, this, <laughs> like are you doing this intentionally to make it like a joke or, or like, <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. Continuing with the cast. We have Tom Skerritt is Eugene Ackerman. It's David's father. Laura Flynn Boyle is Sarah. That's uh, David's main squeeze. And this was uh, this came out while she was making Twin Peaks, so she was uh, kind of a big deal at the time. Pepe Serna is Lieutenant Raid Garcia, R A Y D. I've never seen a name spelled like that before, <laughs> especially a you know a Spanish name, Hispanic Latino name, Raid. Yeah, <laughs> like I know I don't even know if I've seen a. A Spanish word with a Y in the middle of it. Like that seems like a rare occurrence. 
Marco Rodriguez is Loca Martinez. Donna Mitchell is Laura Ackerman. Xander Berkeley is Ken Blackwell. Tony Plana as Morales. Hal Williams was Powell. Paul Ben Victor as Little Felix. I think that'll do it. There's a guy named Matt McKenzie who played a character named Wang. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember who that was, but I thought that was an interesting actor to character name. Yeah. Maybe he was doing yellow face. Maybe. He looks kind of familiar. He's definitely a white guy. Yeah. He's done a bunch of Final Fantasy stuff. Yeah. The only thing I really know is Black Mask with Jet Li. So maybe he was doing Yellow Face. Synopsis. A veteran detective gets stuck with a rookie cop who went in pursuit of a German crook. Nice and concise. <laughs> <laughs> so... Wayne, a buddy Van Horn, was second unit director. He was a long time. Stunt double for Clint. Stunt coordinator for about 40 years of Clint's films from 72 to 2011. He was also second unit on Magnum Force and directed Any Which Way You Can, The Deadpool and Pink Cadillac. So you can credit him with some of the, uh, the stunts on here and whatnot, the second unit stuff. The Buddy Van Horn, it was kind of like he was a director, but it was really just Clint. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get you a payday this time. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be the director, but really, I'm going to direct it. <laughs> I really doubt Buddy Van Horn ever did more than two shots or two takes, I should say. <laughs> that's all you need, right? I mean, that's why waste the film. <laughs> All right. Well, it starts off with that weird dream in the beginning about his brother dying. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a, a bait and switch because it's like he killed his brother, and then he—it's a dream sequence. Yeah, find out it's later. His brother can't jump as far as he can, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping between buildings—that's always a bad idea. Yeah. That happens so often in movies. Like, how often does it happen in real life? <laughs> People just jump in building to building. Come on, jump. Jump. <laughs> He's in front of some, like, police board, and they're grilling him about it. You killed your own brother. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, yeah, it uh, turns out to not be uh, real. He's just in his own head. He's uh, psychotic, got PTSD. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does that come up later in the movie? I don't even remember. Uh, not really. There is another like dream sequence or flashback. I think it may be when he's in front of the mirror where he kind of relives it again and it goes into more detail oh, about his right, brother yeah. falling. But, uh, you know, his dad tells him to forgive himself. That's one of those things he's got to forgive himself for. But they don't really go to the PTSD route. I guess I don't know. Like, I, I don't. I don't remember if that was important or not. The rest of his character. I guess it kind of explains a few things. But well, like why he became a cop and whatever. 
Well, you know, he tells his dad, you know, he's, he's through making mistakes. You know, he's not going to be afraid anymore. And because he's kind of a kind of a wimp through the first half of the movie. And then he goes nuts and yeah, starts killing people and sure burning does. buildings down. And- <laughs> Challenging Latino street gangs. <laughs> also like Home Alone. I'm not afraid anymore. <laughs> yes, exactly. Two at the same time. Both in theaters. Yeah. What, what do they call that when you have two people have the same idea independently? Like of each a other? parallel thinking or something? Parallel uh, inspiration or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not afraid anymore. They uh, say it the exact same way, too. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because as we established, Charlie Sheen acts like a child. <laughs> he is a rookie. It fits. I did like the scene that followed that up where they're um they're like pretending to be the, the valets and stealing all this like the, the really expensive cars and they're loading them up on the uh the car truck. So I don't even know what what do you call those trucks where they have cars on them you know they deliver them to the different like car dealerships and shit like that mm. is like is there a specific name for that i don't even know yeah i'm not sure but you mentioned the the valet because i think that's like the next scene you just see loco martinez just no security around the valet stand <laughs> he just picks up a and it was like a keys for the port a porsche or something like that some luxury car and he just yeah. drives off with it like they had a whole operation. They're taking like all the cars and uh, yeah. loading them up. And then uh, Clint and his partner was it was his partner like a day from retirement? I forget. Uh, I don't. Well, he, I can't remember specifically if they mentioned that, but they didn't even have to. You could tell he was, he was older than Clint. Yeah, but uh, they get in a shootout kind of incidentally and his partner gets killed yep and then they uh they make a run for it and clint's hot on their trail and this was that uh that action scene that i I kind of mentioned earlier where like they're unloading the trucks to try to or they're unloading the cars from the trailer to try to knock clint off you know off their off their ass Mm -hmm. he ends up like driving up onto the trailer and then, uh, like, trying to, you know, shoot at these guys at the same time. And I thought that was fucking fantastic. Yeah, this scene was basically stolen by Michael Bay for Bad Boys 2. <laughs> I've never seen the Bad Boys movies, so I don't know. It was a chase in Miami on the freeway. I can't remember if the bad guys are in a truck with cars like that, or they... Like they hop on the back of one and they start dropping cars and trying to hit Will Smith, Martin Lawrence, by yeah. dropping cars off of it. So it was copied. <laughs> I mean, of all the scenes to copy, this would be the one. A great well, scene and a great scene in a movie that not very many people saw. Well, I like to see Will Smith get raped personally. <laughs> <laughs> I, something tells me he might have already done had that happen <laughs> just just saying 
We already know that Will Smith is a cuck, so. <laughs> he talks about it on his wife's fucking table talk show. His wife had an entanglement with somebody much younger than him. I forgot about that entanglement. <laughs> I don't know how that works. There was some like, malfeasance. Like, did they, have, did they get all wrapped up and, like, uh, you know, knotted up and then they had a, a trouble getting apart or. <laughs> Had that meme for a while. Will Smith's like trying to hold his tears back. Yeah. <laughs> Get the the red misty eyes. God, I feel bad for him. He used to be the biggest movie star in America and like the world. Like he used to yeah. be the biggest movie star. Like, and I can't even remember like the last decent thing he did. Yeah, like the, I don't know. Like the last big movie he had was probably I Am Legend, right? Well, not in Aladdin. Um, yeah, but but I don't I didn't see that, but I don't think people cared for that because he preferred the original. Yeah. And he had that one on Netflix that was supposed to be their big hit and everybody hated that. Yeah. Well, it, I did it, enjoy Bad Boys for Life, but it's not great, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what else he did before that. Gemini Man was a big flop. Oh yeah, Gemini Man was it was mediocre like at best. Like it was it was just boring. Like it was even like a bad movie. It was just a boring movie. He was in your favorite uh Suicide Squad. Yes, I enjoy Suicide Squad. I don't mm-hmm. think I'd categorize it as my favorite, but <laughs> that's right. He did concussion as well, which I never saw, but tell the truth. Yeah, he did get uh Decent reviews for that. You had an African accent in there. Mm-hmm. That's how you know he's a good actor because he did an accent. Yeah. Man in Black 3 was 2012. Never saw that. Yeah, I didn't see that either. Seven Pounds 08. Hancock 08. I Am Legend 07. Presented Happiness 06. That's kind of when it went downhill. It was right around the late aughts. Yeah, he started doing those, you know, pursuit of happiness and seven pounds and whatever else. Like he had a couple, like three or four movies that were all kind of the same sappy shit. And uh, people like pursuit of happiness. And there, kind of got out of the action. Came out, it was kind of like, ah, party's over. Yeah, he kind of got out of the action genre, and uh, people turned on him. Oh, he's just entering his prime as an action star. He's almost sixty now. <laughs> see how old is he here he's gonna take all those roles that liam neeson is leaving on the table because liam neeson yeah. had the the audacity to say he's too old for them <laughs> <laughs> he was born in 68 so he's about 52 oh yeah i guess that's about right this is september 25th so he'll turn 53 in september because he was playing a high schooler in the 90s yeah so Sure was. I guess he's got about 10 years to go before he's got to get back into action. Um, so yeah, there's that good action sequence, and then there isn't a lot of pomp and circumstance for the the dead partner. Just no. There's a couple of people at the police station like, yeah, sorry about your partner, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it happens all the time to, to Clint <laughs> Eastwood. It's like this is like the tenth one in the last five years. <laughs> 
there's also a lot of bad dialogue in this movie and there's a lot of lines that just fall flat like i don't either i don't know what they mean didn't get the reference or it's just terrible writing yeah because i wrote down a couple of them like they're also talking about uh they're making fun of him after he gets his you know new partner the rookie and they're like careful uh some of these versions cry rivers i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> like I, I get that they're calling you know the rookie a virgin but it's just like there's a lot of things that just didn't necessarily make sense and then that like right before that i think is when clint said something like uh you got to change the battery and you're uh I don't know. Your smoke I detector? Uh, I hope it stops. <laughs> Once it starts, it doesn't stop. <laughs> well, well, usually, like when it first starts chirping, there's a longer delay between chirps. Yeah, I guess, and it, that's like the first I've heard it chirp in a long time. So, <laughs> I don't even know if it's the one in here, or if it's the one in the hallway, or what. Mm. I have three smoke detectors within like ten, like two feet of each other all right well if you want to deal with that you can take like a minute break if you want i don't even know if i got batteries or you can take it out be unsafe <laughs> i think it beeps if there's no battery in there well just throw, throw it out the window then <laughs> and that's the know. end of that chapter you should be able to. You should be able to cut it out. I'll just try not to talk while it's chirping. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I don't think it'll beep when you take it out. You'd be able to turn it off. I think it'll stop. I think it's gonna stop. Yeah, there's a there's another line in the precinct. God, I forget what somebody says to Clint, but he goes, "You've met Cheech and Sean," and I go, "What?" So I don't I think I don't think it was like a weed reference. Maybe it was, but it was like, "What the f- fuck is he?" Is that supposed to be like a killer funny line? I don't know, because yeah, it was there's two guys giving him shit for having a rookie partner or something. Yeah, wasn't it? Doesn't he put a kick me sign on his back too? Yep. Hmm. Because he's a, he's a rookie and he deserves it. I like how the hazing is like on a middle school level. <laughs> <laughs> like the most juvenile thing you could do. Put a sign that says kick me on his back. <laughs> if, it were, if this were in the 80s, it would have said homo. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing it was just in the 90s. <laughs> Although technically 1990 is the end of the 80s decade. So you could argue it's still 80s. Well, I don't know if that argument holds up. Well, there was no year zero, Brett. Yeah, but if you're saying 80s, you start with yeah. zero. The 80s decade. What's all the years that start with 80? Well, when did the new millennium start, Brett? I don't know. It depends on who you asked. It was 2001. <laughs> but you see, I've seen uh, certain lists categorized that way. Like I've seen. Um, I feel like they're just trying like, to be fucking uh, pretentious. Like top movies of the uh, 70s. 
And I think they put Raging Bull on there. That's 1980. Well, I don't know. Maybe because, you know, some of these movies have weird release dates because they do the, the festival circuit like a year before they get released. Yeah. So it depends on like where you're looking. Yeah. Plus, this was late 1990. So, I mean, it might just as well a few be weeks 91. away from 91. It might as well be 91. <laughs> Although the 90s, like, they. They were still using gay sores in the nineties too. <laughs> Bill and Ted. They Bill were keeping and, it alive. Bill and Ted. <laughs> they go to hell and call the, the devil the F word. <laughs> sure do. Actually, I think it's mostly Ted. I don't think Bill really throws it around, but Ted does says it like three or four times. I think Bill says it in the first one. They're the castle, they're yeah, hugging the castle, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> These men in the Iron Maiden. <laughs> Iron Maiden. <laughs> uh, that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, where do we go to next? Um, I think the next thing I have is actually, I'm not even sure. I think he just that's when he takes him to that uh, fancy place for breakfast. Was that a hotel? Like I couldn't figure out what that was. Was it like a house party or a hotel or and then I had like a restaurant? Yeah, that's when we find out Ackerman has some pull because he gets him a table because his daddy's rich. Yes. But he doesn't want to let money. you in on it. Another thing that bad boys copied, because Will Smith is a trust fund baby and you know he's multimillionaire and just does the cop gig for fun. Yeah, that's a good reason to be a cop. Mm-hmm. Hey, he's doing it to protect and serve. I guess in the '90s that was a legitimate reason to become a cop. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it's I don't know. Nobody wants to be a cop. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he uh, they confront Strom at uh, the restaurant. Clint gives him his partner's shot-up badge because it looked like there was. Like the side of it was carved out from like the the shotgun round, okay. Or the pellets, at least. Yeah, I wasn't. It I might have even still been bloody. It was just he gives him like a, <laughs> a shot up badge, basically. I don't even think I I put two and two together that that was his partner's badge. Yeah, and like he just gives him his badge and walks away. What's going on? He puts his uh, cigar out in his coffee, <laughs> <laughs> and then. Uh... Cause yeah, like the, so this whole movie is, you know, Clint is part of the uh, auto theft division and he yeah. treats it very seriously, which is and it's un- like unusual for a movie like this. Usually it's yeah. homicide or drugs. Yeah. And he knows who's doing all of it, but like he, he doesn't have enough evidence to put him away. You know, he's the biggest, the biggest chop shop operator in all of the Southland, <laughs> which I don't know. I guess just Southern California. Is that the Southland or like the whole Southwest? The only, the first time I heard the phrase Southland to describe that region was when we reviewed Southland Tales. Mm-hmm. And I was confused then and I'm confused now as to what that, <laughs> what does well, that, that movie's probably a bad example of trying to explain the Southland because <laughs> like, there's like an island. <laughs> away from the Southland where Justin Timberlake sits with a sniper rifle. 
I think there controlling some, the waters. I think there was some global warming in that movie too that <laughs> had, uh, caused some changes to the region. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't know. Like, is it just like, like, uh, like in Minnesota we have the Northland? Like you know, it, the I don't even know if anybody else uses it, but you know the the Northland Ford dealers. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't know exactly what that <laughs> indicates either. If that's like just like the northern part of Minnesota or just Minnesota in general. I think it's just because, you know, we're the we're the North Star state. Yes. So people just kind of shoehorn Northland into different things. <laughs> so so we're the Northland and they're the Southland. Mm-hmm. And everybody in between can suck it. <laughs> <laughs> I think our uh, our first clip is uh, right after this because they're on their way out, and uh, there's a real nice car sitting out in the uh, the parking lot that catches Clint's eye. What's is that? Where, or, uh, isn't that where we're at? No, the first. Well, I know what you're talking about, but they're actually at a like a repair shop to go question that that snitch he has, former criminal ex-con. Okay. And it's that like a in that green yes. Is it a Lambo or a Porsche maybe? I forget what it is. I think in the trivia it probably says. So yeah. we'll we'll get to it later, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, Clint uh tells the rookie what a real criminal is. <laughs> you want to know what a real criminal is, Ackerman? It's the son of a bitch who painted this car. That's who. Yeah, that's what a real criminal is. Kolaski? Max? What the hell are you doing here? Can you imagine defacing a work of art like this with a color like that? Guy ought to have his ass removed. Hey, now, come on, man. I've only been working here three weeks. I don't need no trouble. Did you hear what that fucking puto said about my car? Put it back in your pants, loco. With the taste you beaners have, he was being kind. Son of a bitch. I hear you've been running with a pretty fast crowd, Max. I just dropped by to remind you how short your legs really are. Hey, I have not let you down. Shit, I've been clean for over a year, so why don't you just stop looking over my shoulder, huh? fancy machinery around here, Max. Glad for you. Anything less than kosher comes in, you'll call, right? Yeah, you know it, man. Good man. I think that's the only scene where Clint has a lighter or has a light <laughs> in this whole movie. Right. He, he pulls out his cigarette, I don't know how many times, and he, he never has a lighter on him. Cigar. Cigar, that's right. It's always a cigar, but yeah, he never you got a light, you got a light asking everyone for a light. <laughs> Whole movie. And then annoyed when Ackerman never does. He's not a smoker. <laughs> you think he'd have a light, you know, for somebody who's probably smoked as long as he has. Mm-hmm. You think he'd be prepared. Yeah, and speaking of the who the real criminal is, that 
lime green color in that car was god awful. <laughs> Maybe it's a good thing that they had Raul Julia playing that character, dropping all of them slurs in that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See? But it's cool because they're both Central and South American, you know, Latino. Yeah. Maybe that's why they did, they casted it that way. <laughs> but he's German. So okay. he's not supposed to be saying it. It's okay if he says it. He's Latino for real. But we know Germans are racist, so they would say it anyways. <laughs> yeah, there was another line in there that was kind of weird. Clint's like, man, ought to have his ass removed. I'm like, well, what? <laughs> I don't th- I don't think I've ever heard that. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Like, uh, like literally or like was that a common phrase in the 80s (laughs) like i could see like if he was in a place and they had to remove him from that place you could say they got to remove his ass from that place Mm. but just generally removing ass (laughs) i don't know if i'm familiar with that turn of phrase <laughs> what would you do without an ass? I, uh, I mean, I guess I, I don't know what the <laughs> the connection is. Does they go to the biker bar from here? Yeah. That's the have, next thing I have. Yeah, they have dog fighting, and then uh, Nick goes in back and roughs up one of his CIs, mm-hmm. and uh, he pays him in drugs for some info. <laughs> Well, what he thinks is drugs. Mm-hmm. It's talcum powder. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, part of this next clip here. Because uh, uh, Charlie Sheen uh, runs afoul of some of the patrons and starts getting his ass kicked. Well, he doesn't really run a... Well, he, he, he's just there and <laughs> he's white and nerdy. And, cop. and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's out of place and he's in over his head. Crack down. Get back. Get back. Now, all you people who are driving without auto insurance are hereby under arrest. (laughs) I know you're into group sex, kids. So a couple more weird lines yelling. This is a crackdown. What the fuck is a crackdown? Well, he's cracking down on everybody who doesn't have car insurance. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever heard somebody <laughs> say crackdown together? The yeah. I've, I've heard the phrase crackdown. This is a crackdown. I don't know. If in that context, I've heard of, maybe not people but... cracking down on certain things. I've never heard a cop yell, this is a crackdown. Like they say, like, this is a raid. 
or everybody freeze. This is a crackdown. Well, it depends on what he's cracking down on. I don't know if uh... <laughs> maybe you use it in a when it's a more minor offense, you know, <laughs> like auto insurance. <laughs> so is he stereotyping and saying that all the Hispanic people there don't have car insurance? No, I think he's uh, it's clearly a joke because they all think he's coming in to to get them for beating up his partner. And then he's like, yeah, fuck my partner. Just stop beating him up. You know, I'm going to let y'all get back to what you're doing. Then he has the other line that kind of falls flat. Didn't know you enjoyed group sex because <laughs> he got his ass worked by like multiple people. <laughs> In retrospective, it's funny. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Seems forced when Clint says it. (laughs) It almost seems uh, serious. Like, he he says it almost too seriously. It's like, you're getting your ass gang-banged in there. (laughs) I didn't didn't know you like group sex. It's like, you guys just met, like, two hours ago. I mean, that's... (laughs) We had a lot of time to get to know each other. So Ackerman goes to Clint's house. We find all that Clint used to be a race car driver. And he has all these broken down bikes that he fixes. And if there's one he can't fix. And, you know, Ackerman can fix it in five seconds. So they bond yeah. a little bit. And then he uh, doesn't Ackerman ask to borrow that bike. Or is that later? I think it's later. He just takes it when Nick is taken hostage and he's getting raped because he has his own because <laughs> <laughs> he has his own bike i think because he takes it to a house party at his parents which nick is also invited to yeah his daddy wants to make sure his son doesn't get hurt yep i think before we get to the house party though they uh is this the uh they do the raid on the chop shop, I think. Kind of. I don't know. But they're at the uh, the junkyard. Yep. And uh, they get the one dude trapped in his car, and uh, Clint Eastwood gets in the fucking crane and holds it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's threatening to smash the dude. Meanwhile, David gets fucking trapped in another car with a junkyard dog on the inside and on the outside and yeah. he somehow gets away unscathed at some point mm-hmm. and yeah there's a television interview uh, the following morning which is hilarious <laughs> <laughs> here it is I'm standing in front of an East L.A. garage, which is the latest link in a chain of almost half a dozen chop shops busted by the LAPD in the last three days. This is auto theft detective Nick Polovsky. Detective, you seem to have gone very much out of your way to make sure that we were here for these raids. Well, that's right, ma'am. I, uh, I realize that homicides and splashy robberies get uh, most of the headlines, but it's about time this sort of crime get the attention it deserves. Now, it's impossible to make a real dead, but it is possible to hurt the individual assholes who are fucking it up for everyone. Now, I happen to know of a trick that's responsible for the whole fucking operation, and that son of a bitch is hurting out there, and I'm fucking liking it. This is Connie Ling. Up- <laughs> Who 
We're going to be moving on again, Liesl. <laughs> One thing I think comes off in this movie is it really seems like Clint is having a good time yeah. in making this. I agree with that. Like, I don't know if he's trying his darndest, but <laughs> it seems like he's having a good time. I think that scene especially, you know, I know one fucking prick that <laughs> is really in charge of this shit and it really hurts him. <laughs> and I'm fucking liking it. <laughs> <laughs> I like how she doesn't even like try to like cut him off or censor him or anything. <laughs> like if that was live, like it, they cut back to the studio, I'm sure they're like, just get that that horrified look on their face because they're like, oh my god, you can't say that on TV. But if they use that as like a pre-tape, like you can't use that on TV. They they mute like everything he said after the the fucking first sentence. (laughs) (laughs) You went really far out of your way to make sure we're here for this. You're darn right I did. Yeah, so from there, I think that's when it gets to the party scene. Yes. I want to point out, so David's dad invited Nick there because he basically wants, he, he wants, quote, um, I, want to, I want to guarantee David's safety. Yes. And I wrote down for about $500. So that's about what he hands <laughs> Nick. <laughs> it's like a small little rolled up stack of bills but it's like four bills in there it seems like <laughs> like it's very little money for a yeah. guy who's a multimillionaire and who can just get two million dollars you know in a couple hours for a ransom like hey i can handle that i can cover right. it <laughs> he's that liquid he can just get two million in 1990 yeah but i want to guarantee my son's safety here's here's 450 dollars <laughs> <laughs> That ought to cover it, right? Like, what's he going to do? Like, stop taking them with him on fucking raids and shit? <laughs> yeah, and that pisses Ackerman off, and he tries to leave without his wife. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets on the bike, and he's, like, all pissed and throws the helmet down. You know, he doesn't need the helmet, and the thing won't start, so they just kicks it over. <laughs> So I was like, well, what happened? What's what's wrong? Neither of them takes the money. No. They just kind of leave it on the ground outside, don't they? Yeah, and then Tom Skerritt comes over and picks it up again, I think. Of course he does. Cheapskate. (laughs) Uh, The next thing I have is Morales Bugstrom's house from from a crane. (laughs) I don't even remember. It's been about two months since I saw this movie, so I'm a little hazy on the details. Yeah, well, I think it's Morales that um, Raul Julia kills in his living room, basically. Because yeah, he bugs it, and he comes there and kind of catches him, or like he's not supposed to be there. And uh, he'd already fucked up anyways, I think, because he blames him for, I think, the chop shop getting raided. Or not the, but yeah, whatever raid they did. Yeah, for the result of that uh, junkyard, and because uh, he kills him there. But yeah, the next note I have is them using the bug. They're on a stakeout, which is like the most non incognito stakeout I've seen. <laughs> Clint, Clint's uh, listening in. 
yeah. with Charlie Sheen in there. It's like a Ford Bronco or something. It's like a van. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's some sort of SUV. But they're like on top of it. They're like just in the grass and like a grass field <laughs> on top of a hill that is like, you can't really say eye level, but even with the house. It's like an eye shot for sure. Yeah, that they're like a hundred yards from the house. And it's like the only vehicle in the area. It's not a parking lot. It's not a street. <laughs> they're just parked in the middle of the grass field outside their house. <laughs> Nobody like they're pulled off on the shoulder. Nobody they're just <laughs> Nick's drinking out of his flask, constantly <laughs> drinking throughout the movie. <laughs> just real incognito. It was just Clint Eastwood doing his own shit. Like he's just like, yeah, I roll it, and then he pulls out his flask. Like mm-hmm. Clint, that that's not in the script. Like just fucking print it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's another thing. I think you know that signifies him having a good time on set. He's smoking a lot of cigars, kind of like Schwarzenegger. Yeah. So he's got shoehorned cigars into like every other scene, so, so he can smoke cigars all day. Right. <laughs> He's probably drinking for real. <laughs> <laughs> so we get, uh, while they're uh, listening into the wire, they get kind of on each other's nerves. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've kind of reached their wits ends, if you will. We can really get in a lot of hot water for this. Relax, kid. Take your mind off my work. Think about that little squeeze that you had at your daddy's badge the other night. Now you just shut up about her, all right? Why don't we just get a court order from a judge? Because they wouldn't give us one, that's why. This ain't our case, remember? Then why the hell are we here? We both recognized Morales' body at the junkyard. You fucking lied to Garcia. I didn't lie to him. I just didn't tell him the truth. Oh, Christ. Don't patronize me. You think I like dragging around after you all day? I fucking hate it. I hate the way you drive. And I hate your stinking whiskey breath. Well, I hate your uptight regulation-spouting Boy Scout horseshit. And I hate the little fucking creases in your pants. And I hate these fucking donuts. These fruitcake little ones with the with the goddamn pinky shit on top. Nobody eats that shit. Well, who the hell asked you anyways, huh? Shut up. I got him. You want this guy so badly. He killed my partner. I know about that, but I'm not buying it. It's gotta be something else. Listen, kid. All my life I've been in a race, whether I was on the circuit or whether I was on the force. I always seem to come up small time. Except all of a sudden now, this guy Strong falls right in my lap. Out of sheer luck. Me and Powell, we make him, see? And we make him as king of the biggest chop shop operation in the Southland. Well, I'm wearing him down, you hear me? I'm wearing him down. He's running on reserve. In fact, his engine's gonna blow. And I ain't gonna lose this one. Now, you can either stand out of my way or you can be my partner and you can back me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't get one. <laughs> where's, where's the warrant? <laughs> so they're... They have an illegal wiretap. 
which is totally <laughs> total totally inadmissible in court. <laughs> mm-hmm. So everything they're doing now is totally inadmissible. This kind of goes back to one of the themes in the 10 to midnight. Like, do you want to do what's right or do you want to do what's legal? You know, so it's uh you have all these protections in place for uh you know the suspects because it's innocent until proven guilty but there's a bunch of procedural stuff you have to go through to to get evidence so even though they have this evidence they wouldn't be able to use it in court because they didn't properly uh, get the permission to spy on him yeah and yeah with this uh chop shop operation he better be the biggest chop shop operator in Southland because I don't know how you make all that much money doing it. <laughs> like I know it's lucrative criminal enterprise, but yeah, for it just goes back to like why is this the profession of the villain in this movie? Like nobody gives a fuck about stolen cars. <laughs> Not this much. Yeah. And like and- he what what is his what is his cover? Like does he own like like car dealerships or like like mechanics garages or like he's got to have some kind of cover to you know supplement his ill-gotten gains and launder them and stuff like that. I'm not sure because it does seem like they you know move from place to place quite often they kind of mention that we'll be moving on again Liesel (laughs) but like yeah I'm sure he has well I'm sure the those um auto repair shops like where that max was working or his yeah. legitimate quote-unquote businesses but uh yeah he has these meetings with these other rich guys that are you know paying him two million dollars up front i think for because they have their big order of cars that they need all these yeah, international suppose- international crime kingpins that need these luxury automobiles stolen for them <laughs> Yeah, so I guess he was stealing a bunch of foreign um, luxury cars or sports yeah. cars even. And so I'm sure those parts go for, for more because they're yeah. so hard to get. But yeah, but I don't know. They did make it a point to say like, yeah, he's targeting luxury and imported automobiles, but it's still like, well, it seems like <laughs> all these rich crime lords are you know, really risking a lot for something they could just, you know, they could easily pay for. <laughs> right. Like, do they need, like, they're not even getting, if they're going to the chop shop, they're not even getting like the whole car. They're just getting parts. Better if they're getting a stolen luxury you know, vehicle, they're still paying for it. I'm sure they're paying half price or something, but it's like, is it really worth all that trouble? Right. <laughs> it's like, these guys seem like they're drug dealers and, you know, murderers and whatnot probably run extortion rings loan sharking or something or other yeah but yeah doesn't make sense or he's just uh he's the wholesaler or and they're the middlemen i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how the operation works but uh they do uh they do try to break a break into a casino do they not? Is that not? Is that sure the next they do. Scene? Um, 
yeah, they hear about it over the over the wiretap. You know, while they're, you know, the one that they were in plain view in broad daylight, listening <laughs> in the, <laughs> listening in the Bronco. Yeah, and they still get the jump on them. <laughs> God. So yeah, they talk to the owner or director of the casino, and they plan a little ambush as they're waiting in the vault when Raul Julia brings the uh, owner there to open the vault for him because he's going to, since Nick hurt his business empire, he needs cash to pay the investors. Right. And they start fires within the casino to kind of start a panic and get people running out. And then they think, Oh, I got the vault all to our, you know, we got the vault all to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So for there's the LAPD with uh, Nick and David sitting there. So for, uh, there's some violence goes down and Nick or uh, David rather uh, hesitates to shoot the woman because mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's a gentleman. So <laughs> she shoots him. <laughs> yeah. And then Nick gets pistol whipped. Yeah. She shoots him two, three times and says, you know, amateur, <laughs> but she's standing five feet from him and shoots him directly in the back, like yeah. not the head. <laughs> So, of course, his, his vest catches them. Yeah, I'm sure he's not wearing a vest. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, this is the one where uh, this is where Nick gets taken hostage because there's no money. They've taken all the money out of the vault before they can get in there. And uh, for some reason, like Nick and David, are those the only two that were in the vault? I forget. And then the LAPD came later. They Basically, they both have guns on Clint Eastwood and they get their way out of the casino like that yeah you know we're taking the pig with us <laughs> give us two million dollars you have 24 hours that type of a thing or they might have set it up later but um they let them leave in a cop car yeah you know because if you know everybody follows us and i'll be scanning your police frequency so if there's one peep you know nick dies <laughs> and uh then like a minute later ackerman stumbles out of there and then falls over again to yeah. show his uh, vest caught the bullets. But <laughs> I would think that the cop car would be easy to track, though, because they probably have it low jacked. In 1990? You think so? I don't know. I mean, the police had GPS before everybody else did, didn't they? Yeah. I remember them using it in uh, Beverly Hills Cop, which is from 84. Yeah. Or at least radar, you know, they have the radar yeah. deal. If not specifically GPS. Next, okay. basically everyone just gives Ackerman shit for, you know, sucking at his job. Well, the mayor won't pay the ransom that uh, they're asking. Why don't you take a vacation? <laughs> I don't care what you do, but I want to, I don't want to see your face for two weeks. Well, like, uh, the, the mayor not paying the the ransom makes me think of the recent ransomware shit down in the uh, the refinery. It was in Georgia or whatever. Oh yeah, and uh, the pipeline. Yeah, so like they they shut down the the refinery so they couldn't create more gasoline and it caused a shortage or whatever. And um, like somebody asked the the press secretary at the press conference about it, like, are you gonna? We're gonna help them out and pay the pay the ransomware, and she's like, 
Yeah, I, you know that's not really the government's problem. Uh, we're <laughs> gonna leave it up to the to the business to decide if they're gonna pay for it. It's a private business, you know. Like, is this not like a national security threat? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like should you not be more involved with that? Didn't it come from like Russian hackers? Yeah, I think or like I hackers think said that it was Russian. Yeah, located in Russia at least. I think shut Putin, down that pipeline. Like, I think Putin officially said he wasn't involved with it, but yeah, we know. Of course, he has to say that, and I don't know if he's involved or not. It doesn't really matter. But for all the talk about the you know Russia over the last four years, <laughs> something from Russia actually shuts down a an important part of our infrastructure, and they're like, well. Well, you know, it's a private business, so we'll just stay out of it. <laughs> From the administration that wants to, to have more government control <laughs> over everything. It's like, now you want to just let the people be? <laughs> like, handle their own problems? <laughs> Make up your minds. So, yeah, I think the next scene is uh, Nick and Strom talking in the, one of his, at the warehouse, I guess, when he's tied up. Well, I think before that is um, David going through his mental breakdown. We kind of mentioned before he starts remembering his brother's death again. And then yeah. he headbutts a mirror. I'm not afraid anymore. <laughs> Time to stop being scared. <laughs> All right. This is it. Don't get scared now. <laughs> Ackerman makes a big mac and cheese meal for himself. <laughs> Pours himself a glass of milk and then doesn't eat it. <laughs> oh no, it's seven o'clock. I've been out all day doing grocery shopping and setting up traps <laughs> and drawing an elaborate map with crayons. Uh, yeah, so, so, uh, yeah, David goes a little nuts straps up he leaves because it's time to stop being scared uh and before we see where he goes we get the conversation between strom and nick at the chop shop uh and they're gonna he's gonna blow up nick mm-hmm. he's gonna bomb him <laughs> if you will it's a perfect crime <laughs> well cop you wanted me so badly, now you get to spend the last few hours of your life with me. Well, that makes me feel warm all over. You know, I'm curious about one thing. Why would a dumb Polak like you think he could outsmart someone like me? Well, it's just an arrogant fucking kraut like you is in the firing line. That's <laughs> Lisa. That's no way to treat two million dollars worth of merchandise. Okay, Mr. Strom, this place is completely rigged. Now, this little device just works by sound. You punch in the sequence anywhere from within 200 yards, enter it, and ba-boom, she's sky high. Well, it looks like I wasn't the one who needed the longer legs, huh, Polofsky? I'm going to have to leave this place real soon, thanks to you. But when I go... I go with a bang. Not the best dialogue from... (laughs) 
Like, the bang. I think Raul's really trying, but they don't give him the best dialogue. No. How about that German accent? It's real authentic. <laughs> <laughs> you would almost not even know if, if Clinton called him a kraut. Yeah. It's funny because, okay, so there's already been other like ethnic slurs and whatnot in here. Yeah. And this reminds me of like Clint does this stuff a lot with uh, European like ethnic slurs. So it's like Kraut, Polak, and then like in the Gran Torino, there's all yeah. those scenes of like talking about Polaks and mix and, um, but they're all, all of his buddies at the bar always breaking each other's balls and yeah. making fun of each other's ethnicities and whatnot. But yeah, it seems like he's uh he's plays a Polish guy. I'm trying to think of any other movies he played Polish. Because he's not Polish. I forget what he is, but he's not Polish. I looked it up. Yeah, I was gonna say, what is he Polish? Maybe not. Honestly, I didn't know they were still using the the slur kraut that that far into the you know nineteen ninety. Yeah, that's like a World War Two slur. He is of English, Irish, Scottish, and Dutch ancestry. He's also descended from Mayflower passenger William Bradford, and through this line is the twelfth generation born in North America. How about that? There you go. Way back. So, yeah, we can start talking about uh, David's rampage now, I guess. <laughs> and what a rampage it is. <laughs> like, God. It's got to be like 10, 15 minutes of him just going fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to the bar, decides he just wants to pick a fight. Well, he's looking for... Uh, he's looking for Loco Martinez. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he starts a he starts a fight. He spits fire at the bartender because <laughs> <laughs> that's normal. Yeah, he goes and starts a fight with a bunch of people, kicks their ass, and uh, burns down the bar. He throws he goes... a dog. <laughs> yeah, he shoots <laughs> another one, I believe. Yes, he he throws one dog and shoots another one. Mm-hmm. Which automatically makes him a bad guy to many people watching, mostly white people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think from there is when he goes to the dry cleaners. Yeah, we should make it clear. He burns the bar to the ground. Mm -hmm. He he shoots out all the bottles so that the alcohol is, you know, accelerating the fire as he leaves. Let's Um, have a drink. All right. (laughs) Let's have a drink, motherfuckers. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, he goes to the dry cleaner. On his way there, we get a quick sh- scene of the cops negotiating with Strom. Yeah. Um, and then uh, at the dry cleaner, he uh, there's like, nobody there, right? So he starts poking around in the back, and he finds a body hanging on one of the hooks, uh, one of them on the revolving fucking uh what what should we call it mm. you know where they got all the hanging laundry you know the, the yeah finished stuff yeah i'm not sure what you call that but the 
It's a body on there. Yeah, it was um, the talcum powder guy. And then he gets uh, he gets ambushed. And by uh, loco. Yeah. And then he ends up they end up outside and there's like six gang members and he pulls a gun on them and uh, they kind of back off. But uh, yeah, policia. They, policia. they call the cops. Yeah, they call the cops on him, on David. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll see it in the clip. But yeah, the, the police chief is getting real tired of all these police brutality calls coming in from East L.A. <laughs> Pouring in all morning. <laughs> After that fight is when he goes to see his dad saying he needs two million. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so let's get to yeah, let's get to the uh, the police chief here. That's great. This is all I fucking need right now. Police brutality complaints have been pouring in from the East LA division all morning. Seems like a cop or something, the entire bar down there, and burnt it down. From the descriptions, it sounds like David Ackerman. Ackerman? Yeah. That damn yellow rookie. Yeah, he had to try him at home. His girlfriend answered, worried as hell. Said he run off last night, hasn't heard from him since. Hey, listen up. I need two volunteers that know David Ackerman's face. Wayne Lance, get in an unmarked and go out looking for him. I want that fresh-faced punk picked up on sight. Lieutenant, give us a break. It's not just a job. It's a fucking adventure. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is that? What? Is... It's a great line, but it doesn't really fit. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, context. the line doesn't fit and the delivery doesn't fit even more. <laughs> hey, Chief, can we get It's not just a job. It's a fucking adventure. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that ought to shut him up <laughs> i assume that was a uh a tagline for something maybe that was like the the u.s army tagline at the time or something yeah or like the navy or something you know it's like see the world yeah type of a thing um i should also uh point out that yeah, it's not the chief of police it's the lieutenant but basically i always just call it whoever the commanding officer is the chief of police it's the, it's the man in charge <laughs> that sheriff in charge <laughs> yeah so then he goes and talks to his dad tom scarrett so i googled it it's not just a job it's an adventure was the navy slogan okay like in, the, in the early 80s hmm. <laughs> so i guess we know where it's from Still don't know how it applies here, but what a weird place to put it <laughs> in the script. <laughs> like, I don't know. I guess that kind of fits because like they're complaining about having to do their job and then I don't know. Uh because he's basically sending them into like the danger zone. All right. Well, this is uh this next clip is I'm asking his dad for two million. Actually, his he bursts into some sort of a boardroom meeting. Yeah, and very rudely tells everyone to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> <laughs> He's very unhinged. Okay, everybody out. Party's over. What do you want me to fax it to you? Let's go. Come on. Go on. 
What do you think you're doing? You've been all over television. Where you been? I need two million dollars. In four and a half hours. That's it, then. You continue making mistakes, and I have to spend the rest of my life paying for them. A man is going to die. I didn't come to you because you're my father. I came to you because you're the richest person that I know. Think you're punishing now? Putting yourself out in the street where you could get maimed or killed. I've already lost one son. You can't know how that feels. He was my brother. You're my only son, goddammit. It's your responsibility to be here for us. Well, my responsibility? Where were you when I was in pain? Where were you when I was hurting? I've always given you everything you wanted. But you were never there for me, Dad. Were you angry with me? Did you blame me for something? Well, I don't know, and I really don't give a fuck anymore. I'm through making mistakes. You couldn't buy me, Dad, but you can sure as hell buy me some time. I'll do it. With a condition, you forgive yourself. You do what you got to do, and when it's over, you quit and give yourself a decent life. Deal? No. This is my life. This is my job. Help me. He's my brother. <laughs> He says it like Jerry Seinfeld on his fucking in-show pilot where he's talking about uh, it's my butler. He's, he's my butler. <laughs> no, you and can't borrow him. Charlie Sheen questioned why that was the line and Clean Eastwood goes, because it's my movie. <laughs> You're the richest guy I know. <laughs> <laughs> like that scene is a perfect example of Charlie Sheen not knowing what tone to take with his <laughs> lines. Yeah, terrible acting. Like, how like, should I be amped up or should I be serious or like, how should I do this? He was my brother. And then, where were you when I was in pain? Where were you when I was hurting? <laughs> Which is the same thing said twice <laughs> for emphasis. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think the next scene is so Loco Martinez shows up to, I guess, because it's not okay. So Larflin Boyle's considered his main squeeze. I guess they're not married yet, but they live together. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I thought they married, but I'm not sure. Um, I think before that, though, there's a quick scene of um, Liesel taking a, a bump of cocaine. And then uh, she gives Nick some water and he spits it back in her face. Mm. And she's like super into it. Yeah, she starts licking it up off of her own. Like <laughs> it's running down her face and she catches it with her tongue. Oh, wait. No, this is the whole rape scene. 
Yeah. Is next because he cuts his hand, rips his shirt, licks licks the blood off of his hand. Well, she had um took a razor and cut part of his like forehead. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And then she starts recording it with a Mm. video camera. She tells him about that uh the bullets that her and Strom wear around their necks. Because these they're like silver bullets or something like that. And she tells him to to bite it. (laughs) (laughs) It's very strange. It's a very strange scene. It says very erotic. It's a big turn on for a nine-year-old Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Just Clint Eastwood doing all his Clint Eastwood acting, like like old Clint Eastwood acting, like like he's so like inconvenienced by being there. Are you gonna yeah, rip and do it, or are you just gonna let me sit here? Are you gonna whistle Dixie? It's <laughs> from another movie he has, but yeah, it's like when I was like nine or ten, I'm like, well, this is what it's like to be taken hostage and sign me up. <laughs> Clearly, it's not rape because <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> Sonia Braga was. You know, not ugly, I guess. I don't know. She always because she instigated it. It was very know. intimidating because she was, you know, brutal in the movie. Yes. She was very violent. Almost like a dominatrix type relationship. Clint just kind of is like he's just sitting there and just kind of takes it. I think, you know, he's been trying to get revenge on Strom the whole movie. So the opportunity to cuck him, I think he just <laughs> intrigued him too much. <laughs> <laughs> he got so excited that uh uh lisa was you know she's she's starting to ride him and she's uh, don't lose it <laughs> she wanted to make it last i mean it could be worse oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you get a clip from this uh yeah, just the don't lose gonna, it. There's some moaning. <laughs> yeah, I could. Don't lose it. Hands down, the most tasteful rape scene I've ever seen. <laughs> Close second is the pinball machine of the accused. The accused in the in the sex comedy, the accused. Yeah, when Borat used to make that joke instead of fucking just whining about Mike Pence and Rudy <laughs> yeah. Giuliani. Uh, back when he really had something to say. Yeah. <laughs> that being that. Kazakhstani people thought their rape was funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, that scene was uh, something different. <laughs> yeah, she has to videotape everything, which is weird. Who was she videotaping it for? Because they were about to blow that shit up. Yeah, because it gets turned on or it, gets, it starts playing. I can't remember why something bumped the machine and starts playing. Yeah. And, you know, Strom walks in and sees it 
and you tell he's like mad, but almost like, well, <laughs> this is par for the course for Lisa, I guess, or maybe it's something that maybe likes, you know, being cucked a little bit. I don't know, but he was just mad because it was Clint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe because he wasn't there for it, you know, live. Yeah. So you wanted to watch. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so Ackerman calls his wife and she talks about, oh, uh, Lieutenant Garcia is here. Um, it's look at Martinez just pretending. And, he's, and, you, and you, you don't really, uh, like, I guess you would recognize local Martinez, but then you see the fucking green ass car on the outside. And yeah. like, oh, fuck, it is him. And I guess he's just biding his time. Because he's gonna kill the wife and then Ackerman. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, she tells him this, and he thinks everything's hunky dory, and then he gets taken in by those two cops, find him, and they're gonna take him downtown. And they're like, yeah, you know, Garcia's waiting for you. He's like, no, Garcia's at my house. Yeah, like, no, he's not. <laughs> you know, he so just, he just sent us. He was <laughs> so then he knows. He knows what's going on, so he quickly dispatches of the two officers, handcuffs them to the car, then runs off. And then I always loved this scene as a kid. He jumps uh, on the motorcycle and he's yeah. riding down the fucking sidewalk and shit. Such a, such a badass. And rides, I mean, rides no, right through the front door. <laughs> yes, right through the front door. Classic. Because uh, the wife figures it out as well. She sees the real Garcia on TV. Yeah. So she finds out. And uh, there's a struggle that ensues. And uh, I didn't notice it initially, but uh, our friend Hunter Deucing from the Midnight Movie Cowboys had tweeted it out because he had watched this movie too. And if you if you look really closely and you pause it at the right spot, when they're going around and Loco and uh, the wife are, are fighting in the house, like as they go around the room, like Clinton, the rest of the crew are like just in one of the shots. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't notice that first either until I, yeah, I saw that tweet. It was pretty like funny. It, I, I actually, I think I saw his tweet before I watched it and I still didn't catch it. I had to go back and, and watch it in slow-mo because it's just like a, you know, a blink of an eye. Uh, but they're like going around the room in circles with the camera too. So like Clinton, like I don't know, a few crew members are just kind of like standing in the corner by the front door. <laughs> <laughs> they just happen to to swing the camera that way for a half a second, and uh, it's in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if Clint had a close set for the rape scene or not. He probably doesn't give a fuck. Well, I don't know if he did for Sonia Braga because she was for her sake. Yeah, maybe. She was a little more, uh, or she was highly regarded at the time, you know, as a real, a real actor. Because uh, her and uh, Ro, Ro Hooley actually played lovers in uh, Kiss of the Spider Woman. Okay. You ever seen that? I haven't seen it, but, no, you know, I've no. always heard of it, heard good things. I looked up the synopsis and it was a very strange synopsis. <laughs> I can uh, understand why it's not mainstream. Yeah, I don't know if I uh, was familiar with anything that Sonia Braga did. I guess her daughter is the Queen of the South. Queen of the Southland? What? what? 
No, the the TV show Queen of the South. I guess that's her oh. daughter. I think she's in the new Suicide Squad. She was in the new Mutants. She was like the the uh, doctor at the hospital. See that here? Wait, I'm gonna tell you just a little bit about Kiss of the Spider Woman. Came out in '85. It's William Hurt, Raul Julia, and uh, Sonia Braga, and. IMDb synopsis, a gay man and a political prisoner together in prison. The gay man narrates the stories of two fake movies and his own life. But one of them is, um, I think that the gay man is that is a child molester. Is it like the main character movies, like a child molester or something? And it's like, so this is a movie. <laughs> this is a well-regarded movie from 85. The, the critics gets- love I hope he gets fucked in his butt in prison. <laughs> yeah, like they, through a series of flashbacks, you see Raul and Sonia's relationship yeah, played out in flashbacks, but it's weird. I think the Spider-Woman won the, the WWF Women's Championship, but she just turned out to be the fabulous moolah. <laughs> or maybe she was the spider lady, maybe that was something else. I just thought she was really good at pool. <laughs> Oh, wait, it's Black Widow. Sorry. Speaking of Black Widow, how is Scarlett Johansson in a movie called Black Widow and she's not black, a widow, or a black widow? Because <laughs> she's a ghost in real life in a shell. <laughs> I forget. I saw something else that she was going to be cast in and I'm like, no, she doesn't have the lived experience for that. <laughs> <laughs> what was the one she quit? Was she, she was gonna, gonna be play, a trans woman, or yeah, yeah. She was gonna play, I think, uh, female to male trans person, and then uh, who is like a pimp or something, and um, they like basically canceled the project because people didn't want a non-trans person playing the lead. Mm. I don't know. It was weird. And then she said, I should be able to play a tree if I want to. And everybody says, fuck, no, you can't play a tree. <laughs> <laughs> and then they uncancel her because she got a short and sassy haircut and screamed at fucking <laughs> uh, the dude from Star Wars for two hours. Uh, which one? Kylo Ren. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Marriage story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's the white girl dance in the middle everybody made fun of her uh so anyways yeah back back to the movie uh sarah ends up shooting loco and uh david's all pissed because he needs him alive getting back to the beginning of his rampage i wrote down another great line of dialogue that's uttered by charlie sheen as he's uh, burning down the bar yeah. says let's get hot <laughs> that's so good and then he yeah lights the bar on fire i love i love shit like this like movies <laughs> like this are the fucking best let's get hot <laughs> just like the, the the dumbest lines and the the most outrageous fucking action that's oh, so good <laughs> i like to so 
you know, after after she shoots Loco, David says, I needed him alive. Next time, aim for the kneecaps. And she's like, I was aiming for the kneecaps. <laughs> <laughs> if I wanted it to be dead, I would have shot him myself. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then they did the, then he's pointed at Loco's car in the driveway. He says, you know what a real criminal is? <laughs> we're, we're painted that car. <laughs> Uh, I forget how does he find out like Clint's at the warehouse because he has the money or well he has his dad I guess set up the money with the cops because the cops were just going to go with a fake you know a ringer <laughs> they had John Goodman even, drop a ringer in I don't even know because like it cuts back to the warehouse and um, Nick gets pistol whipped and then he fucking headbutts Liesel and KOs her mm-hmm and then uh, he fights that that shop jockey that uh, was making fun of him earlier about the who, who needs longer legs now? And he hangs him on an elevator shaft. Yeah, because Clint Eastwood had also uh, kind of broken free. Yeah, and then because um, he uh, he killed that yeah that dude on the elevator, and then his blood is dripping. Raul Julio was in the in the cage, if you will, and yeah. blood is dripping down on him. So they're going to shoot out and Ackerman shows up. And then David just shows up. Like, I don't even think they, they explain how he figured it out. I'm sure they do. I just can't remember how. Maybe it was um, in his, uh, how he in found the, out in the guy's car or something or on his person. Yeah. But, um, anyways, yeah, the, the, the sex tape was still going and here's a little clip from <laughs> when the rookie shows up and saves the day. What the hell are you doing here? I thought you were dead. Yeah, you should be so lucky. Well, that's twice you've let me down, kid. Where's your key? I'm gonna cut you a little slack. Who's your backup? You're my backup. You're a real precocious kid. I could almost get to like you. Hey, wait a minute. I was starting to enjoy that. Pervert. <laughs> He's a very voyeuristic, precocious child. Because <laughs> they just had like a, a wall of TVs and I was playing on <laughs> all of them. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that. I'm not sure why there was a wall of TVs either. Well, I assume they had surveillance set up for like around the the premises, but like why was it just hooked up to that one? Why did she have a camera in the first place? Just to, to videotape her having sex with them. I guess. Like, I don't to know, watch was, to watch their hostage i guess i don't know man um but strom and lisa will get away and uh you're getting ready for the shop to blow up and uh nick and david escape just in time mm-hmm. it's and like a like, fast and furious stunt but like uh, but it's done practically realistic. <laughs> <laughs> like more realistic it jumps from building to building it's fucking sweet yeah. Goes, yeah. Goes through the window from one building into another one. They crash totally unharmed, even though they're not wearing seatbelts. Well, he says buckle up twice. Because he says, you know, fasten your seatbelt or something like that as he starts to speed forward. And yeah. then in midair, as the explosion is behind <laughs> him, he calmly looks over at Charlie Sheen and says, 
fasten your seatbelt. Says it again. <laughs> it's like 20 seconds after the first time he says it. <laughs> Killer line. Telling it's you. So good. Good, so good. good work, Clint. Um, <laughs> so yeah, then they uh, they're off to the airport. Well, they have to make the drop first, right? Uh, so it was supposed to be like come alone or something with the cash. It was yeah, it was another dude that they had sent to pick it up. And like every elaborate... fucking cop in town is there, and they out their lights on in plain view, and like it's supposed to be like one guy. Remember, they escaped through a uh, the sewer. Yeah, because uh, they follow the van around, and then they eventually find out that there's a hole in the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. And then like Nick and uh, Ackerman are out in front of everyone. Is like, is that is that Nick and Ackerman? <laughs> Nick's alive. Yep. And, uh, they end up at the airport, of course. Xander uh, Berkeley's uh, their pilot in their getaway jet. There's a little shootout around the jet. And then Strom, Strom kills his own driver. Is that right? Am I, am I remembering that correctly? Because he, um, he doesn't want to get cut. Maybe, but not Xander Berkeley. Because Berkeley tries to run down Nick and David in the in the plane, and they just keep running to the side as yeah. soon as he gets close. Because he's well, in a fucking the, jet. I think it's the guy that picked up the money gets shot yeah. by Strom. Yeah. He's like, thanks for thanks for getting me the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, then they had a, he ends up dropping the money on the runway. Yeah. <laughs> we can't go back and get any of it, basically. Because <laughs> Nick is Nick and Ackerman are there shooting at him. I but, did like the 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 car being chased by the plane was pretty sweet. The the car, or Nick and David getting chased by the plane. Yeah, they're on foot and they just yeah. would split up and go to the side every time it gets close. And then I think they end up shooting them in the head. I think. Yeah, they shoot the and pilot, the, and the plane crashes into another plane that's landing, like a it's supposed to be like a jumbo jet. It was a little smaller, but. Mm-hmm. David Caps Liesel. Yeah, no amateur this time. No am no no hesitation this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nick ends up um well he would have finished Strom off right away, but this he took a gun from a security guard and the yeah. guy only had five bullets in his gun, <laughs> his revolver. <laughs> yeah. Because he remarks it later like that dumb bastard only had five bullets in his gun or something like that. <laughs> And they do. They run into the uh, the airport. They go through like the the baggage claim area, and mm-hmm. then they kind of run through the the terminal and stuff. So, um, yeah, Nick Ackerman gets shot, shot at least once. Nick gets shot, I think twice. Strom, yeah, Strom shoots Nick. David shoots Strom. Strom shoots David. Nick <laughs> Nick shoots Strom. Yeah, Nick finishes off Strom like he crawls on top of him and. Like shoots him in the head, but he gives. <laughs> I wrote it down. It's a very weird look and grimace that he gives. I thought it's, he was dying. I thought he was dead after that. I thought I thought it looked like he was showing the vinegar strokes when he, <laughs> when he shot him. That's what it looked like. It's it looks like Clint very, very much enjoyed shooting him in the head. It's it's possible. <laughs> You'll have to compare it to the rape scene and then see if it's <laughs> the same face. <laughs> well that's a profile 
shot of Clint, so I can't see the <laughs> full vinegar stroke. <laughs> <laughs> uh maybe it's more of a stroke than a vinegar stroke you just Could see be. It on the one side uh-huh. <laughs> but uh yeah that's the end of my notes well they do the fake out at the end so it's like the the beginning of the movie again where mm-hmm. now it's david walking in thinking and you're thinking his partner died but no nick is the new lieutenant yeah, and he's introducing David to his new partner, and they just kind of repeat the the scene where David yeah. and Nick met. All the same jokes, and yeah. Clint is just smiling through every line and just having <laughs> a great old time doing this. <laughs> this is gonna be so great. Everybody's gonna love this. It's like laughing at his own jokes in the, in the movie. <laughs> Seems like he's like breaking character, laughing. Well, who's who's going to tell him otherwise? He's in charge. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and the uh, pretty much credits roll when Ackerman takes the kick me sign off of his rookie's back, and they walk down the hall. And his rookie, the new rookie's a woman. Yeah, and the rookie too came out one year later <laughs> <laughs> with Hillary Swank as the new rookie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't think her signs get, said kick me. I think it said something else, but I can't remember what it said. It wasn't um, as good of a joke as kick me. Yeah, I forget what it, I didn't write it down. But anyways, as you said, that's it. Credits mm. roll. We've talked about this movie a lot, so let's just get right into the fun facts. Hey, everybody, here's some fun facts. According to the book, Clint Eastwood, a cultural production by Paul Smith during the early stages of principal photography, Charlie Sheen had substance abuse problems. You don't say. Sure did. Eastwood reportedly took on a father figure role in disciplining Sheen into responsible behavior. Here's a fun fact. So there was actually another film in which Raul Julia and Sonia Braga both appeared. It's called Moon Over Parador in 88. Apparently, they're also in a television movie, uh, The Burning Season, The Chico Mendez Story in 94, which was, I think, the same year Julia had passed away. I think it was 94. Here's a fun fact. The movie featured over twice as many stuntmen as it did, as it did actors and actresses. It set the world record for the biggest ratio of stuntmen to actors and actresses. Reportedly, over 80 stuntmen worked on this movie. At the party at Ackerman's house, the bassist in the band is uh, Clint's son, Kyle. Uh, Clint Eastwood agreed to do this movie in exchange for Warner Brothers, letting him make his personal movie project, White Hunter Black Heart. Hmm. Here's another fun fact. Here's a weird tidbit. During a break between scenes, Charlie Sheen had the misfortune of witnessing the death of a window washer who fell 50 stories from the skyscraper above. Holy shit. Hmm. This uh, little tidbit was also pointed out by uh, Roger Ebert. I was watching the uh, Siskel and Ebert where they discussed this. You know, oh, yeah. neither, neither of them liked it, of course. of course. Although Ebert did praise the some of the stunt work. But um, like Clint's done this movie before, like with a rookie, mainly in the in the Enforcer. Harry Callahan was also partnered with a rookie cop, but not a young man. It was a woman, Kate Moore, mm-hmm. played by Tyndale. 
Never heard that as a name for a woman either. Tin, T-Y-N-E. Tine? I think it's Tin because I heard Ebert say it too. He said, oh, you, you did this you know, movie before with Tin Daly. I was like, Tin. Oh, I, I mean, I've, I feel like I've heard it said Tine Daly. Yeah, could be. I don't know if that's short for something or, or what. Uh, this is Clint Eastwood's last movie in which he played a cop. However, he played a Texas Ranger in a Perfect World, a Secret Service agent in in a, in in the Line of Fire, and an FBI agent in Bloodwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot what he was in Bloodwork, but FBI agent. Here's another fun fact. Uh, when Charlie Sheen enters the dry cleaners, he says, Candygram for Mr. Mongo. This is a reference to <laughs> Sheriff Bart and Blazing Saddles. There is. So here, the, the make and model of the car that Nick Polofsky took a disliking to is uh, its color was a lime green Type 85 Lotus Espirit SC or SE. The Lotus Espirit was the car that had become famous for appearing in the James Bond movies, The Spy Who Loved Me, and For Your For Your Eyes Only. In this movie, Eastwood got to drive the famous James Bond car. Nice. <sighs> Any more thoughts for this batshit crazy movie? That's why it's, I like it. It's always kind of stuck with me. Yeah. Like I uh, hadn't watched it in a long time for about on Blu-ray about, say, about five years ago. I was actually a little surprised it was on Blu-ray because I would never see it on TV basically after, you know, the 90s. Yeah, it's definitely not really what I expected, you know, but uh, definitely really entertaining. Yeah, I mean, it's not a good movie. It's not an original idea. Everything's kind of a retread, but I don't know. I find it entertaining as hell. (laughs) I mean, some of the the action scenes are really, really good. The stunt work is fantastic. I'm not like the biggest Charlie Sheet fan, but like his type of acting fit the character like they they used him to his strengths in here even though like we we kind of made fun of him for not knowing you know what the tone of the movie should be but yeah. like especially in that second half of the movie when he starts going off the rails like it's definitely the type of movie that that uh you want to have somebody like him playing that character mm-hmm. um and then clint is great basically playing himself you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, good stuff overall. Definitely worth checking out. Yeah, I'd probably still give it uh, an eventually. I agree with eventually. Yeah. All right. Uh, why don't you tell the good folks at home about how to get some lovely merchandise and about your lovely podcast as well? Yeah, head over to our uh, store on. The former Teespring, it's now spring.com. I did update uh, uh, my URL on the Twitter page. Okay. So the the store, the new URL is wtmwatchthismovie.creator-spring.com. So that's very easy to remember. Um, but if you forget, you can check out either of our Twitter profiles, and uh, we'll have the link in the bio. Um, and then check out the Positively Wolfy podcast every Friday for some unqualified commentary on allegedly real news. Indeed. 
Uh, you can reach out to us, follow us on Twitter at watch this underscore movie or bread at positively wolf one. Uh, you can email us at watch this movie at yahoo.com. Check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. And please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you off my case. She did not sit on my face. <laughs>